You're listening to the SHL Smart Teams Podcast, a show where we invite experts on people science to talk about how to build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive. Welcome to SHL's Teams Podcast. My name is Matt Kirk. I am the early career solution owner here at SHL. I have with me Dan Ball, who's the founder and CEO of the Early Careers Company and Foundation. Welcome, Dan. Good to be here. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Um, let's spend a bit of time at the beginning, just, just if you could provide a bit of introduction to yourself and, and your organisation. Yeah, for sure. Won't, won't take too much time. I'm not very interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm Dan. I'm, I'm 26. I, I founded the Early Careers Company and the Early Careers Foundation at the start of last year. Um, we are two independent organizations within a group. Um, the Early Careers Company is a private business working with firms to help them design infrastructure around early careers and run hiring campaigns. And the Early Careers Foundation is an independent social mobility charity um, funded and managed by the business. Excellent. Thank you. So let's let's start with with level setting for 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 the listeners. So, what is early careers? What does early careers mean to you? Good question. We usually describe it as um, the kind of first foray of an individual into a particular kind of market or function. So, for the most part, it's young people generally, people leaving university or college for our American listeners. Um, it's uh, it's interns and industrial placements, so people doing their sandwiches at university. It could be school leavers or apprentices, but it could also be you know returning mothers uh, moving into a new industry for the first time. It could be someone uh, ex-military, like my eldest brother, and um, he just finished fifteen years as a as a fighter pilot um, and is now going to move into you know kind of his first step in probably consulting. Um, so yeah, it's someone's kind of first move into a given market where you're not an inverted commas experienced hire. Okay, perfect. And and from my perspective, it's it's around it, it, exactly what you said. Probably a slightly narrower view for me. It, it's really in uh, around the apprentices, interns, graduate placements. So very very similar to what you've said, yeah. and probably slightly um, slightly narrower scope. I have the the, the privilege of, of speaking to many clients, as, as I know you do as well, um, around the early career space and, and thinking about their plans for this space, what they currently do, what, what they would like to do in the future. What are the typical challenges that you hear from clients in the early career space? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's, a, what's a struggle for them? There's a few things. I think one of the, the really key ones is that if you're an organisation moving from taking people let's take any and just take take like commercial so sales for example if you're an organization moving from hiring people who typically have experience to those logically without what you lose is say a year's experience in sales which while the experience itself might not be that vital that experience is often indicative of like a certain set of characteristics and qualities so often yeah. companies I think miss out the step of, of boiling it down and, and realizing what those things are and then end up hiring effectively the wrong people. You know, not enough time and effort is put in, I think, to to really identify the characteristics needed. And then you bring the wrong people into the organization. That in turn then drives up attrition. It's not good for engagement or performance. Um, So I think a lot of the, you know, people look at at early careers through like, you know, rose-tinted glasses a lot of the time. Um, And then when they get down for it, realize there there are steps they need to take before launching these types of programs to make them successful. 
Yeah, I, I, it's a it's a really interesting point for me. I mean, a lot of the clients that I speak to are hiring more and more people into early career programs. And mm. um, in the past, I would say that most organisations had a graduate team, graduate recruiters. That has expanded out to early careers because I, 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 I absolutely agree with you in the fact that you have you can bring in experienced hires. They may be great. You could also bring in experienced hires who are what I would consider to be institutionalised. They've been in, working in the same environment for a period of time and they may have the experience but but not fit the culture and values uh, or not fit the, the business model that, that they're coming into. So um, interesting, interesting point. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think when it works, it works, right? I mean, it's it's it can be fantastic for organisations. If if companies get it right, you get you know large numbers of dedicated, motivated, ambitious, friendly, energetic, mostly young people who want to come into an organisation and, and have an impact. You end up with loyal team members. It's obviously as any company thinking of doing this knows there are far more people at the early careers level than there are at one year two year three year 10 year 20 year experience and so you know when you when you get it right it can be massively massively transformative um i think it, it's a difficult one isn't it because obviously the world is changing as well the sort of post-pandemic working environments and and all of that stuff is meaning that people i think with with the challenges in a lot of western countries for for quality talent, people are sort of turning to a much larger pool of younger people to, to kind of fulfill short and long term capacity issues um, in their businesses. And, and for the most part, it works, right? I think companies who do it, I haven't seen very many companies scrapping or cancelling grad schemes, but you see a lot of them implementing or growing them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, unique times, and, and it's given companies an opportunity to rethink how they recruit and completely agree. We, we have clients who've, who've said to me on on conversations that the reason that early careers apprenticeships graduates are so important to their business is they're bringing people in with often a, a different set of skills from people they would have hired in the past who are bringing in new ideas innovation uh, and that's actually helping to drive their business forward in 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 what has obviously been uncertain times yeah, sure. I mean, the, the downside of that is you look for different skills and sometimes end up with none. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, yes. you're, 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 you're spot on. I mean, you get people with a, with a different way of thinking because, you know, when someone is 21, having just left university, it's, it's almost impossible for them to have been institutionalized other than, into, other than, you know, by their university or college or whatever. But realistically, someone coming into a market for the first time will logically bring new ideas and new thought processes, new values. Also, for a lot of businesses, especially those consumer facing, you know, 10 years down the line, the biggest spending and wealthiest group of people are going to be people who are in their mid 20s now and then in their mid 30s and you know, up to early 40s, let's say. And so you're bringing in the people that come like your customers of tomorrow. While that sounds a bit grandiose and like one of those like American TV adverts, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's I think it's quite relevant to bring that to bring that sort of different way of thinking into businesses. Yeah, no, absolutely. We 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 conducted a study with a Deco recently where they um, open up for uh, well a, a Generation Z. Um, they open up a, a CEO for a month program where they get tens of thousands of applications. Those who are successful end up shadowing uh, country leaders for a period of time, and then one of those will then go on to to follow the uh, CEO of the Deco for a month. And they've created shallow boards, and they found actually that 
the new ideas and innovations and the way that that shadow board solves the challenges that the business has is completely unique to anything they've seen before and it's added real value. Wow, interesting. So I, I would have thought the outcome would have been you've got a person a year who doesn't want to be the CEO of a, of a Deco. <laughs> but yeah, so, so interesting. I'd, I'd, like, I'd, I'd like to read that. You'll have to send me it after. Yeah, no, no, I think it's on the website. But you're, yeah, I'd, I'd like the salary of the CEO for a Deco, but uh, I'm not sure I'd like the, uh, <laughs> yeah, everything exactly. else that comes not with not 16 it. hour work days and 50,000 staff. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. We should probably at this point apologise just in case the CEO of Deco is listening, but um, I'm pretty sure we're safe. Um, well, at least he knows we've talked about his job. <laughs> exactly, yeah, he can, he can trust us. Um, we've talked about the, the challenges for companies then. What, what about candidates? What about people looking to, to, to get into the early career space? What are the challenges that they're likely to face or that you've heard from from, from speaking to them? That's it. That's a, that's a question I can answer much more easily than, than some of the earlier ones. Um, the biggest challenge is like a lack of knowledge, right? Like I, I've set up a national and, and soon to be global charity specifically focused on addressing this issue. Companies use early talent and say use that's that sounds bad, but companies um, you know use early talent as a as a, as a method to diversify their workforce, right? They, they use it because the if you look at say people working in technology with five years experience, they're almost all white, they're almost all male. So yes, it's great to hire female or you know, ethnic minority developers, for example, but actually you're not really helping solve an issue. It might look good on your company website, but you're actually just moving people from one company to another within an industry. Whereas early talent provides you with an opportunity to actually bring people into it, you know, change an industry or society over just your, your organization. I think the challenge that poses is that people don't know about the opportunities open to them. The Early Careers Foundation is a social mobility charity that's set up to effectively enable young people from low-income backgrounds in the UK and, and the US as of next year to learn about the commercial world directly from you know, British Airways and Bentley and so on, our, our various partners. Um, so I think that's the main challenge. Companies maybe don't adapt the way in which they educate people for the, you know, the, the um, increased... Uh, What's the noun for junior? Junioriness? No, it's not. Is it increased? You know, the, the reduced sort of level of experience they're going to be hiring for. So, you know, a, an asset manager might talk to twenty-one-year-olds from a range of different kind of wealth and, 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 and cultural backgrounds as if they're talking to experienced fund managers, because institutional investor, as a phrase, might not mean much to a twenty-one-year-old. So, I think I think the uh, the biggest challenge for candidates is not knowing where to look. You're like watching television adverts. You know, you're bombarded with a million pieces of information, uh, all about different areas of the commercial world. A lot of which you kind of don't understand how they fit together, where they sit, how they interact, and, and what they actually mean. And and how would you advise your clients then to to become more appealing to this audience? Uh, I think. I'm not sure whether appealing is, is the word. I'm not sure whether I'd recommend they focus on their appeal. Um, I, I previously worked in a company with a, with a strong focus on employer branding, which is, you know, whilst a really interesting area and important in lots of different ways, um, that's about attraction and making yourself seem as appealing and attractive as possible. Like, rather than appealing, I would advise they focus on educating. 
like for, okay. I, you know, I always use this analogy, but every job is perfect for someone. You know, if you're a fit, young, healthy guy with a, you know, let's say young kids and you want to get back early every day, you want to work in the morning, you're quite outdoorsy and I don't know, you don't have a sense of smell, then being a bin man is a perfect career for you. Probably not for me, but it is for this, this gentleman, right? And so every career is perfect for someone. And so the thing people, the thing organizations should focus on is, is educating. Assume that the people you're talking to don't have an in-depth knowledge of your market, clients, business model, culture, and focus on educating them before you assess them. That will mean that there are people for whom that is appealing because they actually understand what it is that you do. Yeah, so I mean, once people are in in on the career site the information the knowledge giving them that is 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 essential to see whether they're the right match for you but also that you're the right match for them i think that is often overlooked um there is a much bigger emphasis for for younger people now to work for companies that they feel aligned to their culture and values so it's yeah mm-hmm. i think that's a absolutely relevant point that people really need or organizations really need to to start to think about how they interact with that audience and 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 how they explain things avoiding jargon and and everything else yeah i think it's i mean it's like dating honestly it sounds really silly but i i think of it more like dating you know you wouldn't pick a you know girlfriend boyfriend husband wife I say pick, like I have lots of choice. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't select the person that you're going to spend your life with on the basis of limited information, right? Interviewing someone for a job they might not fully understand in a market that is relatively kind of opaque and obscure to them. It's, it's just, you're just, you, you know, you're fighting a losing battle. You know, the, the, what you want to start with is that the employer, of course, needs to have an, a deep understanding of the candidate, their motivations, characteristics, potential, and background, and so on. But the candidate also needs to have an understanding of the organization. And I think if you start a process by almost leveling things out and going, right, now, when we start our interview process, the first stage of our process is me giving a 20-minute rundown of our company and our foundation to the people that we're looking to hire. From there, we can assess them. We know they know the information. Let's then have an open, honest conversation about whether we're a fit for you and you're a fit for us. I think skipping that bit is, is a big mistake that a lot of people make. I was just thinking, based on my dating background, I'm not sure if I've commented to. Uh, I'm in a position to comment on the, on your answer there, but um, I was about to say, I mean, yeah, l- uh, luckily, I'm better at hiring than dating because it would be a compliment. <laughs> <just to> <laughs> <in the case. laughs> yeah, it's going to certainly make your workload a lot bigger. Um, so you see, yeah. and, and we, we've, we've talked a lot about the, the challenges for for companies and the challenges for clients. I also think, I mean, this is just such a big opportunity for, for companies to really change how they approach recruitment, who they recruit, types of roles they recruit for, types of skills that they look for. What advice do you have for organisations as to how they can do this better and what the benefits are? Mm. Um, I mean, the benefits are... Uh you know groups of fantastic loyal staff that will solve not only immediate capacity challenges but long-term issues for talent in the business you know if you get early careers right it solves so many problems in organizations around it can solve hiring if you get it right 10 years in advance it solves hiring throughout the business because you've always got a pool of fantastic people to hire from into senior roles the advice is like stop and think about um about the basics uh, 
you know, you've got uh, who are you trying to hire? Why are you hiring them? How are you hiring them? Why should they work for you? And what are they going to do when they get there? I.e., how are you going to engage them? You know, this is, uh, you know, to avoid a shameless plug, as Matt, you know, part of the reason we're on this call is we do an enormous amount of work with with, uh, with psychometric assessments your company uh, creates and provides. And we do that so that we can assess groups of top performers and organizations to, to identify these kind of key predictors of success and build a framework of these like core capabilities and core characteristics that companies need based on real data and corporate values and the culture and strategic direction and all these types of things. So you can really nail down and define who it is you're trying to hire and why. You then use that information to build an assessment process. Don't just design an assessment center and interview questions out of thin air based on specifically what you're looking to hire for. Um, the program itself, you know, think about two things. You know, is it three things? Is it compelling? Does it provide good value to the people you're hiring? Is it going to solve immediate commercial challenges? And will it going to create a sustainable long-term talent pipeline? Those are the three metrics we work to. And I, I can't see why, why anyone wouldn't look at those things when they're, when they're designing a program. And finally, how are you going to talk about it? Like, what's your value proposition? Why should one of these talented, loyal, you know, motivated young people come and work for you? Once you've got that, you can then build a, you know, what we call a go-to-market narrative. You can then start to define and articulate how you talk about who you are and what you do to, to the world. But if you don't do things like that in, in almost that order, you'll, you'll end up kind of going, right, these are the types of people we want. And then you, you get companies saying, we want people from top 10 universities who study one of these six degrees. And, and you look, and actually, the, 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 if you take a cross-section from those backgrounds, loads of them will have the characteristics you need and loads of them won't. Um, so take a step back, take a few months, do it right before you actually get going. And once you've got that infrastructure in place, then, you know, happy days, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, no, they're great advice. I think it absolutely makes sense to me. The, the, the final thing I, I think would be interesting just to, to, to talk about before we close would just be around the, the future state of the early careers market. My um, experience with conversations that we've had and, and the trends that I see in the market is that this space is growing rapidly, um, far more than, than other parts and other recruitment trends that we're seeing. So what's your view of the, the future state for early careers? Interesting. Bear um, in mind, you, you, bear in mind you're the CEO of the early careers company. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a positive outlook, but yeah, just be really interesting to get your view. Yeah, it is a positive outlook. Uh, look, I, I, can, I can give you examples. We work with oh, 60, 70 businesses of which, you know, 10, 15 are like multi-billion, multi-billion dollar or pound, depending on where you are, multinationals. And in every instance, those companies are hiring more and more people at the emerging, you sort of early talent, emerging talent level, um, and they're investing more and more into it. I think the thing that people get wrong is that they just go and do it, as I mentioned earlier, right? They just, they just kind of crack on and, and go and make these decisions. I think the long-term trend is this becoming a more and more key part of, of infrastructure for smaller businesses as well as bigger ones. I don't know if you're seeing this at SHL, Matt, but smaller companies making hiring people straight from university or college or hiring interns a really key part of their talent strategy. You know, five years ago, it was all working with big businesses hiring en masse, whereas now a load of the work we do is with smaller businesses recognizing that getting talented young people in early is a you know, fantastic way to, to grow their organization and to, to scale sustainably. 
yeah, absolutely. We're seeing we're seeing growth across kind of small, medium sized enterprises as well as the the kind of big multinational companies that we work with as well. So yeah, I mean, we are absolutely aligned with that response. We are seeing it across the board that that more and more uh, early careers roles are available within organisations. Organisations are becoming more experienced in hiring them, solving some of the challenges you've talked about about bring somebody who potentially may not have worked before into an organization expecting that they're going to know what's going on and understand what's expected of them. So organizations are getting exactly better right. at helping people make their way in, in their first potential job or workplace in, in, a, in a challenging environment. Um, they're really starting to see those rewards and that's being demonstrated in the business, which in turn is, 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 is allowing for more recruitment in that space. Well, um, just want to thank you for your time, Dan. Um, it's always fun and interesting spending some time with you. Um, I look forward to doing more of it. My pleasure. I want to thank everybody who's still listening to the end. Um, and just, again, shameless plug, but please do subscribe to the SHL Smart Team podcast. And we look forward to welcoming you back soon. Thanks for listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.